Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. My name is Jerrianne. And it's good to and it's good to see you. All right, y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready for this? All right. Susie, did you cheer? Are you ready? Okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh. You know, I was uh I was thinking today I in Luke when Gabriel appears to Mary and he uh says a lot of things, but one of the things he says is with God nothing is impossible. We know that verse. Some translations actually say the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. And I like the passion kind of puts them both together and it reads this way. Not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible with God. And there are promises God has for every single one of us that are distinct and different to your own uh, unique callings and giftings. And then there are also promises that we have in the word that all of us have as believers that we have access to. Y'all with me? And the access point is faith, through faith. And we've all been given faith, right? So I want to look at a story we know really well. And tonight I'm going to continue with Chase's series, and I'm going to title this Beyond Abraham. And I know we've heard that story of Abraham and Sarah. And so what I'd like you to do just right now in your spirit is just make up your mind. I'm going to receive. I'm going to receive whatever you have me to receive tonight, God. Uh, we can get familiar. We, we know the story. But I want you to make up your mind. Can we just say that? I'm going to receive whatever the Holy Spirit has for me to receive. So I'd like to start in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, verses 6 and 9, and I'm going to read from the Passion. That's the Bible I have up here. So Galatians 3, and starting with verse 6. And it reads, Abraham, our father of faith, led the way as our pioneering example. He believed God and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. So those who are the true children of Abraham will have the same faith as their father. God's plan all along was to bring this message of salvation to the nations through the revelation of faith. Long ago, God prophesied over Abraham, as the Holy Scriptures say, through your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed. And so the blessing of Abraham's faith is now our blessing too, all right? So what I'd like to do tonight is go from Genesis 12 to 21 and just highlight a few things from there. So I'm going to skip over a lot. There's a lot there, so I would read that later. But I'm going to start in Genesis 12 and go through Genesis 21. And what I love in Genesis is that God keeps asking Abraham to do things, and he just keeps saying yes. Right, So the first time God came to Abraham, he was 75 in Genesis 12, and he said, go out, and Abraham, he went out, and which is remarkable to me. I don't know sometimes if we really understand the magnitude behind there, behind that statement. I was at uh, 
getting gas like oh, a few months ago, and there was this lady there get pumping gas too, and I knew Holy Spirit said, you need to go talk to her, you need to tell her this, and I'm like, oh, she just looks mean. I don't know if I want to do that, uh, but Abraham, he just goes. He just says yes, and so in Genesis 13, Abram called on the name of the Lord, and we read in verse 15, for the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants. So we all know right now, at that time, he doesn't have descendants. I wonder if Abraham, his name was Abram then, but I wonder if he said, I'm so thankful for those descendants. And so God comes to him again when he's 83 in a vision in Genesis 15 and says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So Abraham knew the promises of God, and we know them too. Right, We can quote them if we've been in church for any length of time. We even sing songs with those promises in them. I was thinking of all the songs that we sang Sunday. Um, and I'm going to mess up the lyrics, so Robert, scream them at me if I get it wrong. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper, right? Um, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good, right? Um, what else? Champion. And so that reads, you crown me with confidence. I'm seated in the heavenly place, undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. Abraham knew the promises of God. He, he knew them. And this specific one over his destiny. But here he says, hey, I don't see it. So I'm going to give all my inheritance away to Eleazar. He knows the promises. So you know what he's doing? He's dumbing down those promises, and he says, I'm going to give them all away. And he tries to dumb down, let's just lower my expectation of how good you are, God, because it hasn't happened yet, and it hasn't worked out for me already, when it should have worked out for me already. And you know what he does? He takes his feelings, and he exalts them far above the word of the Lord. He's making weak the truth of God, the promises of God. He's watering them down, and he's ultimately deciding for himself on his own that they're not for him. And so many beliefs and, and doctrines and even denominations have been created today from people dumbing down the promises of God and deciding they're not for me or they're not for today. And so when really all they've done is they've taken their own feelings and experiences and even pain and exalted them over the word of the Lord. What I love here is the Lord is so kind with Abraham. Because if you read on in Genesis 15, 4, it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. 
Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Genesis 15, 6 says, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And I love how God can reset our thinking in a moment. But we have to be in that place to hear, to encounter him. Go after that place. Go after encounter. You don't get a Holy Spirit reset in the presence of people. You get it in the presence of Jesus. And so I love that God is so kind here. And some of us need to give ourselves grace today and allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of his promises. Now, some of us need to just get in the word and find those promises for ourselves. Because when it comes right down to it, I know nobody wants to throw their inheritance away. I know we don't want to give that away, right? So what do we need reminding of? What do we need to remind ourselves of today? What thinking or perception needs to be reset? You know, there were so many things I loved about homeschool this year. uh, But one of my favorite things about homeschool is every morning uh, we would do communion as a family. And um, it didn't get familiar. If anything, I I think I needed it (laughs) to start my day. Um, But we would say all together as a family, and then J.O. and Garrison would lead it eventually. We would say together, thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken so that my body, so that I can be whole. And we're whole in every way. And then we'd say this out loud as a family. We would say, we are spiritually whole. We know who we are. We're emotionally whole. We're not drugged down by relationships. We're great at relationships. We're physically whole. We walk in divine healing. We go on. We'd say we're psychologically, we're intellectually, we're mentally whole. And we would remind ourselves day after day what we have access to. And I love if you read the whole story, God just keeps reminding them again and again and again. And if I had a point number one tonight, it would be something like at some point in our lives, we will all have to decide whether or not to believe what God has said about us. At some point in all of our lives, we will have to decide to believe what God has said about us. Can we believe what God has said, even though we aren't seeing anything in the natural to back that up? Can we believe what God has said, even when we see the opposite taking place? Because that will require faith. And I'm so thankful for that measure. We can walk by faith and not sight. But in Genesis 16, we see that lens shift again. And the chapter begins by saying, now Sarah, well, her name's not Sarah then. They'll change names, and I may get to that. But it says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So the chapter begins with a statement of fact. And in Genesis 16, we find that their mindset is this. God's either holding us back or we're doing something wrong or it's not going to happen. So let's find another way to make this happen. And now we see Sarah speaking over herself. Because when you lose hope, you begin to say terrible things over yourself. When you lose hope, it becomes harder and harder to divide the truth from a lie. In fact, any area in your life where there's not hope, you've bought into a lie. 
And I'd add to that, any, any area of your life where there's fear, you've bought into a lie. And so now we have Sarah saying in chapter 16, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. And I've grown up in church, and I've heard a lot of wonderful people say terrible things like, it's just not the, the Lord's will for me to be healed. Or, or even things like, it's, it's not God's plan for me to have a happy marriage. Or uh, things like that. It's not, it's not God's will for me to have the Holy Spirit. I've asked, but it hasn't happened, and I don't think it'll ever happen. And so now we see Sarah with this worldview of doubt, with the lens of lack, a lens of thinking that the promise of God was not for her, a lens of not being enough, and really a lens that says, there is something wrong with me. And so off Abram goes with this new plan from God, which is really a plan from Sarah, from his wife who simply needed him to just look at her and say, Sarah, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. I wonder what would have happened if he had looked at her and if he had said, Sarah, you are perfect for the promises of God. You're perfect for the promises of God. And I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, but there's nothing wrong with you. And we will see those promises come to pass. We will walk in the fulfillment of those promises. And instead, what he did was confirm her worst suspicion that he too thought that there was something wrong with her. And at some point in all of our lives, we have to decide to believe what God says about us because no one can take that from you. At some point, kingdom thinking, it has to replace worldview thinking. And at that time in culture, what they did was permitted. Uh, There are many things permitted in our world today, even permitted in the church, that are not kingdom. You have to believe what God says about you. If not, you'll live in an inferior kingdom. You'll live according to facts and not faith. You'll live according to your history and not according to your destiny. And you know what? You'll treat people according to their history and not according to their destiny. Point number two. At some point, our mouths have to align with what God is saying. How we speak changes everything. And I think I say that every time I get up here, uh, but nothing happens in the kingdom without sound. Faith has a sound. It sounds like something. And before God created anything, the first thing he did was he spoke. So he set the standard at the very beginning for how things are created. And that's why we read in Genesis over and over again, And God said, let there be. And God said, let there be. And God said, let there be light. He spoke first and then he created. And in the power of those words, there is the ability to create. And if you live continually declaring the word of the Lord and the promises of God over your life, it will be heard as a sound. It will be a sound of faith and a sound of promise and a sound of hope. And a sound of health, right? Because the world has the sound too. And it's a sound of dysfunction. And it's a sound of fear. 
And it's the sound of grievance and offense and hurt and confusion. And for too long, I think, the church and the world, they've been right there. And the sounds are the same. I came across Romans 13, 12 the other day. In a New King James Version, it says something like, um, it's high time to wake up out of sleep and throw off the darkness and put on the armor of light. And I looked it up in the Passion. I love what the Passion says because it, it reads, night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. And there is a new sound being heard in the earth right now of a remnant pushing back the darkness, of a people that know who they are, that are charged with faith, of families uh, who know what it's like to model and live out. Oh, this is what a healthy family looks like. This is how it is to live in wholeness and health. Of, of a remnant that says, oh, this is what it looks like to walk in the authority and power that we have access to, that we've been given. Nothing happens in the kingdom without sound. You know, every night we get around our living room, and I've said this before, but we pray over each person in our family. And sometimes, you know, it's we want to go to bed, but the kids are like, we got to pray. And last night they were both praying over Matt. We were just laughing about this earlier. And... Um, he had a spot on his side that was hurting, and they were both praying over him and fighting at the same time about who was going to touch the spot. So it's not always wonderful, <laughs> but, I mean, we got through it. Um, so we pray, and we just declare over one another, really, you are perfect for the promises of God. Because we need to be reminded every single day. And so what better to have the people that are connected to you, that believe in you, saying those things. And so even the kids now, they've gotten to where they'll say, "Mom, oh, mommy's a good steward. Mommy stewards the routine really well. She stewards the big things really well and everything in between. And I'll say over myself, and the kids will say it over themselves because they've heard me and Matt, uh, I'm so aware, God, of what you're doing in the earth right now. And I'm so aware of what I'm called to do. There's something powerful that happens when I say that, but also when a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old says that too. Get around people that will remind you. Surround yourself with people who can speak into those promises on days when you can't. Because what we say changes everything. You can speak the word of God and declare it in the natural. You know, Pastor Mark was talking Sunday about learning to be a part of the process that's one thing you can do to be a part of the process. I, some of you have heard these stories. And I felt like I needed to share a few of them again. But when Matt and I first got married, um, he was an alcoholic. And I didn't realize really the extent of it. And it was, it was just not good. It was really hard. And we both uh, had incredible moments of breakthrough in our life where we saw God do amazing things in those first few years of marriage. But after breakthrough comes follow through. And so what we began to do is we began to steward. The, I don't even think we knew what we were doing. And we wouldn't call it stewarding. But we would write out prayers over our family. And prayer breaking addiction. And I would write them out. And Matt would write them out too. We both knew that the hand of God was on our lives. Uh, before we saw anything to indicate in the natural and, and we would do that over and over and over again. I have a whole book filled of just prayers over us. Um, our house. We were believing God for a house. We, um, 
everything we own is not ours anyway. It's his. And so everything we do brings him glory. So a house may seem silly, and uh, but we were praying. We were believing God. We This was the word of the Lord. Our house was going to, people were going to come in, and they were going to feel the tangible presence of Jesus. It was going to be a home of refuge. And we, we like uh, cookouts. And you all know that. So uh, we were praying about this, and Matt was uh, ministering at the prison. And he goes, and uh, some guy at the prison hands him a note card, and he puts it in his pocket because we think, you know, usually when you're at the prison, they're handing you a phone number or asking you to call somebody or do them a favor. So he just put it, tucked it away. And when he got home on that note card, it said, it was a prophetic word over us, and the first line was, your house situation is about to change. And the very next day, nothing happened. And the day after that, and the week after that, and the month after that, and the month, and the year, and the year. But you know what I did? I took that prayer, and I put it on our refrigerator. And I got, we had some land, and I got my snake boots on with my dad, and it was all woods. And I went out there, and I staked out a driveway. And I would say, thank you, God, for our home. Thank you, God, for our new home. And then I wrote out a prayer and a declaration with some crazy things that I'm not even going to tell you. And I dug a hole in the ground where our home is today, and I buried that prayer. And you may say, that is crazy, but I know what it's like to stand in faith. Meg and me and Matt and Josh, we have some really um, crazy God projects that we're trying to steward right now. And it's a lot bigger than me. And last week we had what what could look like in the natural a setback. Doesn't look doesn't look good. And so Meg and I decided what what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna go celebrate. We're going to go celebrate the very thing that hasn't happened yet in the natural because we have heard the word of the Lord and we will stand with what God is saying and God is doing. And God is such a God of breakthrough that he tells someone to say it's alive when it looks dead. The Spirit of God is so focused on calling forth what doesn't even exist yet. Whatever room, whatever environment you enter, you carry the highest authority. As a believer, it's who you are. But you will choose to steward that and live that out or not. What's your sound like? Is it the sound of faith? Is it the sound that says, man, I'm so thankful for those 12 notes? Or is it a sound that says, I don't know what I'm going to do with 12 notes. He could have given us more than that. I mean, what, what are we going to do with 12? So let's go to Genesis 17. In this time, Ishmael's been born to Hagar. And I am banking on that you've already, you already know this story. So if you don't, you're going to have to go, go back tonight. And in Genesis 17, Abraham is 99 years old. And the Lord appears to him and he makes a covenant with him and reminds him again so powerfully and so kindly of the promises of God over his life. 
And this is where he says Sarah will be a mother to nations. And he changes their names here in this chapter. Um, so now we have Abraham, which means a father of many nations. And again, God says this before they have any children together. And so now in Genesis 17, 15, God changes Sarah's name. And then it reads, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. And then we read verses 17 and 18, and it says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, I'm okay with the ordinary. And again, we find Abraham with this lens of lack, this lens of doubt, saying, God, I, I'm, I'm okay with what we have. I'm okay with the ordinary. You don't have to do anything impossible. You don't have to do anything crazy. We can just we can just use Ishmael. And I wonder how often we say that in our lives and in our homes and in our churches. You don't have to do anything miraculous. You don't have to do anything impossible. We're okay. It is what it is, which really just means I'll live by what I see and not by faith. And we settle for far below when we reside ourselves to only what we can see in the natural and say, well, this is, this is all God has for me. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Point number three, it is time for believers to get a backbone. And that backbone is faith. Faith in a God who finishes what he starts. Faith in a God whose word will never fail. Faith in the God of the impossible. Faith in the fact that not one promise from God is empty of power. Faith in a God who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Where are the believers with a backbone? Where are the, man, the Isaacs that are going to sow in a famine? Where are the Davids that are going to say, is there not a cause? Or my favorite thing he said, well, I'll become even more undignified than this. Where are the Ezekiels that are going to stand in front of everything that's dead and say, no, you will live. You'll live. Faith will always lead to action, to execution. Faith will always require something from you. It will require a response. And too often we've looked at faith as a thing over here, this idea uh, faith is application. Faith is execution. And when faith is, is executed, when it's acted upon, it becomes the foundation. And then the catalyst for everything I'm thinking and believing and doing and speaking. And that's really what stewardship looks like. That's what learning to be a part of the process is really all about. 
And so Abraham says, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And verse 19 reads, then God said no. And I love that. I love how God can reset our thinking in a moment. Thank God for Holy Spirit resets. And so it reads, it says, then God said no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And again, we see the kindness of God as he reminds him of his promise. His promise. At some point in all of our lives, we have to believe what God says about us. And at some point, our mouths have to align with what God is saying. And at some point, we've got to be really intentional about faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and the word of God will never fail. And I love in Romans 117, that's where we read the verse, the just will live by faith. Um, And the passion is translated in there. I'm going to read that to you um, this way. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. And living by faith will always require a response. You know, some of you know JL has had leg surgery. Uh, we're, she wears braces from Monday through Friday. She, she wears braces all day long in her legs. Um, it is not fun for her. You know, the other night, and she was in tears, and she looked at me, and she said, nobody knows this, but I'm really struggling. <laughs> and so we're like, we know, we hear you. But every night, Matt goes, goes into her room, and he'll speak over her legs, and he'll say, um, they're healed, and they're in alignment, and they're straight. I don't even know what he speaks, speaks over them, and he just walked out, so I can't ask him. Um, but he told me the other day that the Holy Spirit told him to take a picture of them, to take a picture, because they're not always going to look like that, so that we can remember what God has done. Living by faith requires a response. God's a God of breakthrough, absolutely. But after breakthrough comes follow through. And you're going to have some incredible breakthrough moments in your life. But then there's got to be the follow through where you steward and where you stand in faith. Ways in which you walk it all the way through. Your inheritance is real. The promises of God over your life, they're real. Don't give them away to an Eleazar. Don't settle for the ordinary. Don't dumb down those promises. Don't create an Ishmael. Walk it all the way through. And they do. They do. Abraham and Sarah are recorded in Hebrews 11 as champions of faith. And if you read on, she gives birth to Isaac, whose name means laughter, and that's a whole other story I won't go into. Whatever's in your hand, whatever idea, whatever promise, you may have only one word tonight. Thank God for it. And let the Holy Spirit breathe on it and stand in faith knowing you are perfect for the promises of God. Can we just say that over ourselves? Would that be a little weird or crazy? Can we just say, I am perfect 
for the promises of God. I am perfect for the promises of God. You know, we reflect the reality that we're most aware of. Is that faith? Is that faith? Because this is reality. Hebrews 11 is full of champions of faith. But it ends with this in verse 11, 39, and 40. In chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. And I'm reading from the Passion again, and it says, These were the true heroes, commended for their faith. Yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. Faith's fullness. And we can live in that fullness. We can walk in that fullness every single day. Let's look at Galatians 3.14. And this says, Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place. And in so doing, dissolve the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe. You know, Pastor Mark sent me a quote, I think it was a year ago, but I've always kept it. And I just remembered it said something like, uh, when we get to heaven and we ask uh, Moses what it was like to part the Red Sea, uh, or David, what was it like to slay Goliath? They will look at us and they will ask us, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit living inside you? You don't have to live with a lens of doubt or a lens of lack. We can be led by Holy Spirit, full of faith, knowing who we are, declaring the promises of God over our lives and our families. What do you have today? You may have 12 notes. You may have one word. We all have a family. We, we all have the word of the Lord. You may be saying, I've got brokenness and that's it. He'll take it. And he will breathe on it. And things will never be the same. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.